0: Let's um, uh, come before the Lord this morning. What a blessing. Indeed, it's a blessing. You don't realize how much you miss something till you, you know, you're there. Let's bow our heads in prayer and let's give the, the, this morning over to the Lord. Uh, it's an important message this morning, and I pray that um, as, as you sit there and listen that the Lord will minister and speak to your heart. So, Father in heaven, we come before you. You are God. And you are the only being in our life that is of the greatest importance. You, Lord God, are the one we honor above all things. You, Lord God, are our devotion. We surrender every part of us to you, Lord God. Every angle, everything in our hearts and in our life, we hand that over to you, Lord, Lord this morning. And where you may speak and where you may feel, where you may clean, I pray that you do, Lord, Purify us and cleanse us with your word, Lord God, and bring a convicting spirit in us. Convert our state, Lord God, till we are molded more and more into the image of your Son, we pray. I pray this for everyone here, every ear, every head bowed before you at home in these pews, Lord God. I pray your Holy Spirit may move and minister to everyone who is seeking your face with all true intent, I pray, Glorify yourself. Cast the devil away in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, what I want to share with you this morning may, again, you know, I feel like anytime time I... Um, try and touch on particular significant truths, there's always something that happens that kind of, you know, it's, you know, it's misunderstood or there's some kind of a twisted uh, passage, you know, and, and, and we're trying to wrestle out, you know, the truths of God in the midst of a very dark and crooked world. And um, I don't know, generally, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused as to what's being preached and taught outside, you know, but... Um, and I, I don't know whether people are still preaching these words, if you like, of history that Jesus spoke, you know, these, these old words of wisdom that probably you don't get to hear much anymore. And I don't know why uh, I'm sharing this morning, you know, um, I don't know whether it's just to remind you again in case we forgot over COVID, you know. Um, but I really want you just to seek God and ask God, God, you know, reveal and speak to me, to my heart. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how many times you've heard these phrases or these words, you know. Um, seek God and let God speak to you. Don't get into the kind of a, a, a mindset, you know, I know this passage. Oh, yeah, I've studied this before. God's word ought to be lived, not just studied. And if you find the things that you hear aren't in accordance with your life, Don't get caught up thinking, I know this passage, because you don't know it unless you live it. The experience of God's Word is not in your head. It's in your life. It's the way you live. If you find yourself falling short from the words of Jesus Christ, then come before the Word of life and ask Him, Lord, do it. Do it. I need you to do that for me. If you are the Word of life, then Show me. Not, oh, I've, oh, look, I've been a Christian. I've gone to church before. So the words that I want to speak to you this morning is all about holding on to life. It's all about holding on to life. And I need you to, I need you to really listen and, and, and focus. It's all about holding on to life. You know, our survival, the basic instinct, the first and most important thing in our life is survival. By nature, You want to hear it, you know? That's all it's about, surviving. I've got to survive. And we do that in all different means, in different ways, whether you realize it or not. Uh, n- nature itself tells you that that's how we operate. Like, for example, if you cut your hand, the body says, I've got to survive. And the body works and does what? Bleeds and scabs so that it protects. The body itself tells you that. If I, if I got my hand and I just waved it before your face, instinct kicks in and without you deciding on anything, you close your eyes because that's how God made you, you know what I mean? These, these, these are natural self-preservation mechanisms, you know? If you take me to the top of a building, my knees start to shake without me deciding, you know, that's what happens. You know what I mean? I didn't make a decision that I don't want to feel like this. It just naturally happens. It's my body coming into kind of a kick mode of self-preservation. Thank God that my knees shake when I'm up there because if they didn't shake, they're not warning me, hey, you've got to tread carefully. You, you understand? Because if I was careless and loose <laughs> walking that mountain, you know, without any kind of a shaking... By the grace of God, He's made me aware. It's a self preservation. You you understand? And that's great. Self defense mechanisms that God has instilled in us for protection, for safety, because life is about this kind of preservation, right? But it doesn't only have to be physical preservation. There's also an emotional, mental, spiritual preservation that you and I often kick into without realising, and it's probably more, far more significant than just the physical preservation. You know, like, for example, if you're being uh, um, confronted or you're in a place of panic or you're in a kind of a, a fear mode, naturally, you know, you, you, you kind of like, your body responds, you know, <laughs> You you kind of, you you crouch or you get into a fetal position subconsciously. You know, it's just, why does that happen? Because the body's like trying to preserve, uh, trying to protect. It's trying to do something. You know what I'm talking about, you know? But there is an extremity because it's part of the fallen man, it's part of the carnal man, the broken man, where this self-preservation kicks in in a way that is harmful and, and, and it's very very important and I think the world doesn't realise it but this is where the words of Jesus Christ in all its beauty and wisdom comes to us and heals us. It's very important for us to discern these things. I'll tell you what happens. I remember when I was in the schoolyard and we had this big uh, iron gate with a spring on the hinges. And in the schoolyard, we used to play what was called the uh, pack machine. You, who's going to pack it? You know, who's going who's, That's a term we used to... Remember the term pack it? You know, pack it, like who's going to pack it, meaning who's going to get scared? You know? Remember that? Pack, yeah. Remember who's going to... We used to have a pack machine, a pack machine in the schoolyard. And all it was was this gate that had a hinge like a springboard... And, and there was, was a gate that, that, that flung open and there was a, a brick wall just behind it. You understand? And so we used to lay like against that brick wall like that. We used to get the gate like this and we used to pull it back and let go. Have you had that experience? No? Yeah, that's what we used to do, right? And so, and so we used to be like this and they used to get the gate like this and the gate would fling back like this and it will just it wouldn't touch you right it will just go boom like that right and we used to think that's cool you know he's like i do it, i do it, i do it now the thing is the thing is with that the thing is with that is what would happen is as you're waiting like this and they got a, uh, if you responded if you reacted what was going to happen if you went? If you went, ah, you're gone. You understand? So your self-defense uh, system wasn't helpful at all. You know, it would actually come in and gone. So you had to muster this energy, this in the in the in the place of panic. You know to stand there and just watch it unfold and fling right before your face and not flinch and yet keep yourself safe. You harness those self-defense mechanisms like pride. Most of the time, we respond out of pride and those defense mechanisms out of pride is like having your face smashed. And you don't realize and it causes conflict War, fighting, battles, pain, suffering. It's because of your self-preservation. You know what I'm saying? I want to look at three quirky ways, quirky ways, but very significant ways, how we try to preserve ourselves. Let me share with you, firstly, the passage of wisdom. You know Jesus... Right? Maybe some of you know him better than others, right? But Jesus, when he lived on the earth, he said, I've come to give life and life abundant. Jesus Christ had the principles of life. And so what he said and what he spoke were like gold from heaven. It's wisdom that is to give you life and life abundant. So he says this, Matthew chapter 10. So this is wisdom, right, guys? Wisdom, the word spoken from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, I like to think that this verse isn't saying that you're not worthy enough. But rather, it's saying that you cannot qualify. If you don't take up your cross, you won't be fit to follow. So it's not that you're not worthy, because Christ sent, God sent His Son to bleed a death for you. But that if you don't take up your cross, you're not going to qualify. You're not gonna, you can't do it. You won't be able to. you don't do this and then he goes on to say whoever finds his life will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it wow what does that even mean so you want to qualify you want to you want to follow me if you don't take up your cross, it can't be done. Because part of taking up your cross is in a simple truth. And the truth is this: if you go about in life trying to save your life, trying to make it the best it can be, trying to preserve every kind of lifestyle that is gonna be so good, you're gonna lose it. That's the words of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know, I don't know what. It is very, very against culture. And I don't know what churches are preaching or teaching, but it may as well be something confrontational to churches in the midst of the prosperity gospel, in the midst of the grace grace gospel, in the midst of any other gospel that tells you live well, live right, live good, when Christ says don't live at all. Don't live at all. Oh, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Even I, I don't think that when Jesus was teaching the disciples, he, he he was actually teaching them this just once. You see the same thing. He tells them again in Matthew chapter 16. He repeats it, and I don't think he just told them twice. I think this is on on his word, on his mouth all the time when he was discipling his disciples. He says it again. Then Jesus told his disciples, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 25, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to claim the title of a follower of Jesus Christ, anyone who wants to say they're Christian, let him or her deny him or herself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it crazy (laughs) isn't it like i don't know i didn't invent those words They're the words of jesus christ the words of wisdom he's wisdom he's from heaven the son of god he knows what life's all about he's telling you you know you want to live you want to live let it go let it go. I, I'll, I'll show you the three quirky things. Three quirky things that we do for self-preservation that you probably wouldn't even notice or even considered. And just observe. It's observation, like you know, anthropology. Look around, study people, study nature. Right? Three things that we do that is that is uh, a bit odd. Things like nobody wants to get old. Nobody wants to get old. Nobody wants to embrace, listen, the wonderful, beautiful plan of God for aging and for people to be moving on through phases of life. Nobody wants that. God looks at a gray-haired man, He says, this is glory, the Bible says, glorious. And the man takes his hair and he wants to dye it. I don't I think there is nothing more beautiful, sisters, sisters, when you age gracefully, nothing more beautiful, honestly. You are more beautiful when you grow in the grace and glory of God and just let nature take its course. The extremity of that is what? Botox surgery why i'm not having a go you can do what you want but if it's connected with this concept of holding on to life jesus says let it go just let it go because it's going to consume you It's going to take your mind, it's going to have your thoughts, you're going to try and win approval, you're going to try and get accepted, you want to be acknowledged. That's what it's going to do. And those things are self-defense mechanisms that you want to kind of react against anything that's against that. But it's not beauty, you know. Uh, You see it. You see what someone who's... uh, And they don't see it themselves, honestly. It's like someone with a B.O. and they can't smell it on themselves. But, you know, you've seen someone who's overdosed on Botox, right? Haven't you? We all know it doesn't even look right. It doesn't look healthy. It doesn't seem right. And so the devil takes the image of God, yeah, what could have been beautiful, and twists it. And all of a sudden, they look odd, they look odd with all the, what is it, implants and, and everyone just trying to hold on to life. That's all. You're trying to hold on to life. How peaceful and how wonderful if you don't have to even have a hairstyle anymore. <laughs> you know? I don't have to worry about it. It's <laughs> just done. What's another thing? Something that we do that's really quirky, really odd really strange everybody wants to be rich but you know what's worse with just being rich everyone who wants to appear rich I think there's nothing uglier do you know what I mean it's not just about being rich someone who's not rich but wants to appear rich you know it's that kind of that fake brand you know Because what are you holding on? You know, that's what the first conversation you have with someone is, so what do you do? You know, what what is it you do? Because we want to know where you're located. We want to know what prestige or platform, what status. And Most of the time, you know, uh, I'm not a hairdresser, I'm a hairstylist. You know, no, no, I don't own a fish and chip shop, I own a fish and chippery. You know? Uh, I'm not a teacher, I'm an educator. You know, that's what we do. Why? Because we want to hold on to life. So sometimes it's not about, you know, what's, what's going on on the outside. It's what's, what's here on the inside. And if I'm going to go around in a party, in a, in a room, in a wedding feast, whatever, and I'm going around and, and I'm going to be insecure about what I do and where I live and how I am, I'm going to hold on to life. And I'm going to, have, you know, appear to be bigger than I am. You know, Jesus says, You, you want to live? Let it go. Let it go. It's insignificant, it's of no value. Let it go. It only belongs to this earth. There's a kingdom far greater where the glory of God far glows brighter than this earth. Let it go. And you know what's the third thing that's quite quirky? How we hold on to life is when we're so stuck in our own opinion that we can't see past the lie, that the truth becomes a distant, hidden thing because my opinion is far more of value than truth itself. I don't argue with you because truth matters for me. I argue with you because my opinion is more important. And most of the time when people are holding on to life, they care more about their opinion being valued than truth itself. So you could possibly win an argument with a person who's holding on to life, but you don't win it with them because you don't agree with their opinion. That's holding on to life. But the one who doesn't hold on to life is forever walking in the light of Jesus and is forever in the truth of God because they don't care about their opinion. Their opinion does not matter anymore. They, they, are, they have given it and what matters to them is the truth of God. You can get into a heated debate with someone and disagree and you're, you're fervently arguing with all your heart over truth and they're fervently arguing all their heart about not feeling as though they are wrong. You understand? And I think that's, that, that, that there is what, where the world is at. That's, that's where we're fighting today. People don't care for truth. They care about how they feel. What feels right. I thank God for his words. I thank God for his wisdom because if I went with what I feel, I would have been gone by now. I'm trying to save my life, but I'll lose it. I'm gone. So I thank God that I don't want my 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 own opinion, and neither should any Christian want their own opinion. You know, you know what a what a what a self defense mechanism looks like for Christians who try to hold on to their pride or to their opinions or to their rights. I mean, what's the term God-given rights even mean? This is about God-given right. Well, if it's your God-given right, let's see what God said. Lose your life to find it. You have every right to lose your life to find it. Start there. If you want to know what your God-given right is, your God-given right is life. But how do you get it? (laughs) Lose it. Lose it. You don't go out trying to save it. That's why it shouldn't bother you what someone says about you. It shouldn't bother you what someone thinks about you. It doesn't, ba- it doesn't matter because you no longer live, but now Christ lives in you. What should bother you is the truths of God not being taught, the truths of God not being upheld, the truths of God uh, being diminished or, or, or wavering or, or, or belittled or whatever, diluted. But who cares about your opinion? I don't care about my opinion. I don't value my I don't even think my opinions are right. You know what I mean? I don't know. I could never be sure. I'll tell you something. It's a it's tip, wisdom. Listen, every opinion and every thought that you are 100% sure is right can and may and possibly could be tainted by your carnal mindset. Does that make sense? If you can't see it in that perspective, you're definitely going to lose life because there's a way that seems right for man. It seems right. They're not dumb. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they're just... In their head, it's truth. It's logical. But that leads to death. But if I die to my opinion, if I die to that, what I think, I'm not 100% sure about anything. You know? How can I be? You've got to be God to be 100% sure, you know? But do I know things with clear conscience, you know? Do I, do I um, navigate with a clear, pure conscience? I'm 100% sure about that, you know? Like, I have to be. I have to be. I can't go a day or, or, or a minute without a clear conscience before my God because he'll stop me. You know what I mean? And if I'm not 100% Clear conscience, I'll stop and correct it. Simple. Our opinions and our views or our rights and what we think is right or wrong, everybody's got them. Does that make sense? Everybody's got them. But what should matter to us is what is God's truth? What is God's truth? Everybody thinks they'll do a better job. You understand? Everybody thinks I'll do a better job. That's, that's just how it is. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that when I go to a barbecue, the way the guy's turning the sausages, he's not turning them slow enough. You know? I know when I go to a barbecue, I am barbecue man. You know? I am. Like I make the barbecue better than anyone in the church. You know? That's because of my nature. It's carnal. I'm better than anyone. So i got to step back from the barbecue. Got to go to the salad. No. <laughs> I've got to step back from the barbecue, you know? I've got to step back from it. It's their barbecue. It's their barbecue, let them enjoy, let them do their barbecue however, enjoy however, you know? Because I know my nature. And let me explain something else about this nature that is not yet gone or dead or lost. This nature in you will always, always, always find fault in others. Know that as a rule. Get it in your head, lock it in, and say, yep, this is me. This nature of ours will always find fault in the purest, cleanest thing. Does that make sense to you? So know that, lock it into your head, right? That we will always find fault always, no matter what, in whatever. In the church we could be, possibly, who knows, right? The best church in the world. Who knows? I don't know, right. But you're always going to find fault anyway. You know? You'll find fault. This could be possibly the best sermon you've ever heard. Who knows that? Huh? No. Nah. But you will find fault. You will find fault. You'll pick on something. I'll, I'll give you an example of what you'll pick on. You'll pick on this. You'll pick on this verse that I just read to you. And I read this verse when I read it to you. I said, I said this. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. And you'll come to me after the message and say, hey, hub. I'll say, yeah, what, what happened? And, and you'll say, it doesn't say take up the cross. It says take up his cross. Did you, know, did you guys notice that? So you'll come and you'll say, You'll come and say, It says his cross, not the cross. And I'll look at you and I'll go, For sure, mate, I am hopeless. I don't even know what I'm doing up here talking. Get someone better. But did you understand the message? Did you hear the spirit of God? Did God speak to your heart? Did he prick something? Did you hear that? Do that. Do that. Don't let the devil steal from you something of great value, something of great worth, because someone's always going to be at fault. Get that right. So I hope these little quirky tips gets you to see a picture that life is bigger than just, you know, that outside. Life is all what's here that you say, you know what, I'll leave it. You know, Jesus, he painted lots of pictures for us in the Bible regarding this topic. And if you read carefully and study, you'll understand what Jesus meant through all different events that took place. I'll, I'll share with you some of them. Listen to this, just some of them. I hope you're still with me. I only got about, I think, about 10 more minutes. But listen to this. In John chapter 21, verse 4 to 6, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus, just like a lot of people don't know, that these are words of eternal life. These are truths of God. And they can't see beyond anything else than themselves. Their life blocks their eyes. They haven't let go. They haven't, they haven't surrendered. Therefore, they can't see clearly. Jesus said to them, verse 5, "'Children,' he calls them children,' Not men, children, kiddies, people playing with toys. You know, children. Do you have any fish? They answered him, "No." He said to them, "Cast the net on the right side of the boat." You want to play with words? Let's play with words. <laughs> you know, lay it down on the right pla- in the right place. You know, you get. Uh, Have you succeeded? Have you prospered? Like, is there success in life? No. I've been going all night. I'm tired. I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. How about this then? What about you just cast it? Just cast it and lay it down. Just do that. Let's try that. Let's cast it and lay it down. And what happened? What happened? This is prosperity. This is the prosperity gospel. This is it. This is the prosperity gospel. So they cast it and now they were not able to even handle it, haul it in because of the quantity of fish, because of the quality of life, because of the abundance of providence, because someone believed in the words of Jesus Christ and said, I'll cast it and let it go. Listen to this other count. Another story painted for us in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 51. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. This is a blind Bartimaeus. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many, many, even Christians told him to stop, be quiet. That's the disciples. Shh, shh. They, 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 um, they suffocated the words of life. You know, when someone's telling you, it's okay, live, 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 don't worry about what Harp said. Just uh, live, don't worry. It's, it's, it's perverted, it's wrong, it's wicked, it's evil, it's no good. They, they shh. You're right, mate, stay blind. Don't call on Jesus. Stay blind. Any opposition to the truths of God is telling someone, stay blind. Don't worry. Don't be desperate to try and resolve and fix it. If you find yourself struggling with your sin, don't listen to people who say to you, it's okay, it's okay. That's rubbish. They're telling you to stay blind. You should, if you're struggling with sin, cry out upon the name of the Lord and be delivered, be saved. Be saved. And they go, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And so blind Bartimaeus and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out even more, even more, so it should be with anyone, anyone that's basically told to hush when their relationship isn't right with God, or patted, patted, like it's okay. Oh, I understand how you're feeling. Oh, you know, it's like You're you're, you're hushing the, the cry, the desperation, the anguish for someone to cry out to the Lord. Don't comfort anyone in their sin, no matter what the sin, because you know they're going to be blind in all their ways, in all their thinking. You've just got to point them to Jesus. What did Jesus say? So follow Jesus. Here he is. And so blind Bartimaeus says, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. This is, a this is, this is not a backsliding person. This is someone who's yearning for an answer or a response. This is not someone who's turned back to the world. This is someone who sees, I'm blind, I need help. Not someone who says, I'm blind, oh well, I'll do whatever I want. So you call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And this is what blind Bartimaeus did. He needed answers. He wanted wanted light. He wanted truth. He wanted something that's going to get him out of his pit. And Jesus stopped, and this is where Jesus stops. This is where the work of God begins. This is where it's at. Any man who calls upon the name of the Lord for mercy, God does not delight in the backslider. St. Francis of Assisi said, anyone who hesitates sins, anyone who pauses, anyone who, who lingers, They are in danger like Lot lingered in Sodom and Gomorrah, if not the grace of God. And so this guy was desperate. And Jesus called the blind man and he said to him, take heart. Mate, it's not the end of the world, man. Be encouraged, mate. Take heart. Hold on. Get up. He is calling you. And this is the most beautiful part of this verse. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, sprang up, and came to Jesus. That's the most important part of the the whole story. He threw off his cloak, cast it away, let it go. Why is that important? Because the cloak was a very important garment for a beggar. The cloak was his shelter, it was his clothing, it was his collection of money. His, his welfare his livelihood it was all on his cloak you wouldn't leave and go hit the streets without some kind of a, a device or some kind of a bag or something that's going to secure the money that you've just begged for and he cast it away just like our life is very important very significant we must nourish it we must look after it we must be number one live it right do well blah 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 and jesus says let it go If you can hear my message, God's words, I pray that you would understand and be free. You'd be free. So freeing, brothers and sisters. The words of life. Leave it. Cast it away. Let it go. And then just rest in the arms of Jesus. Trust him. He is too good too kind, too loving to not be able to satisfy, prove, let it go, leave it. Let me finish off with this because this is why everything makes sense and this is what people don't like to hear. When Jesus said this, you have heard it said, how people live and how, what, what the past is like, and what people have always said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What such a complete contrast. What... Really? And this is where you start getting the debate. This is where everything that I've just said now becomes like to deaf ears. Because everything that you've heard is like, yeah, that's making sense. I get you, man. That's so cool. I go, oh, no, yes, yeah. <laughs> You're touching my heart. And then I say to you, okay, well, let's apply it. Let's look at what someone who leaves it all looks like. Don't resist it. What? this sounds like abuse doesn't it but i guess anyone who trusts god's word enough who really holds on to every word and they say may do what you want i'm in the arms of my savior you cannot do anything that he does not allow I mean, I guess that would be like a peak of faith, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be the climatic experience of the work of the cross that Jesus demonstrated embedded in the life of those who believe, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be the complete gospel that we preach and teach and share with the world, wouldn't it? Like, that would be the summary of every single word from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, wouldn't it? Okay, so what are we going to do? No, don't turn the other cheek, mate. you got it right. And so we water the gospel and, 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 and we lose faith and, and, we, and, we, and we, we do what we read in Exodus. We, we get up, we eat and play. You know? Um, do not resist. Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. Now you tell me, what would be a greater strength? The one that does this... Uh, you're not allowed to do that. Don't do that. Or the one that does, do you want to do it again? Nothing you do can move me. You want to do it again? Do it. You can do whatever you want. I don't belong to me. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. You can't do what you want to do if God doesn't allow you. Are they not the words of Jesus Christ that he said to Pilate? how peaceful it is that I don't even need to fight my own battle. (laughs) I don't need to worry. I don't need to fight my battle. I don't need to. You want to hurt me, hurt me. If God wants to train and teach me, I'm I'm there at at my master's disposal. Which one would you rather? The world's methods and ways of protection and safety and policies and processes that's causing us into a big heap of pit of, of everyone's trying to call out, crawl out now. <laughs> They've dug a hole that everyone's trying to crawl out, you know. Or do you want the saving power and words of Jesus Christ embedded? Now, I know some of you are sitting there saying, oh, this is hard, this is hard. Yeah, okay, I know it's hard, but it's not our doing. See, it, you can ask him, Lord, this is so bizarre to me. I, I don't know how to live like this. And God says, amen, you're blind, but call upon me. Take heart, Be encouraged. You know, don't go and settle for something less. I can do this in you. Do you believe? That's what the blind man, do you believe? So leave it and come and I'll do it. No one can do it by their own strength to turn the other cheek. No one. But this is the power and demonstration of God. If someone says, uh, give me your tunic, let him have also your cloak. Remember the word cloak, you know, the necessity. (laughs) Let him have that too. If anyone forces you to go one mile, we're going to do it, aren't we? So whatever, you, wanna go, you want me to drag this and go this way, whatever, we'll, go through. we'll, do, we'll do better. That's why we, we always had the spirit in our church, not to conform to the world, but to honor God. So if the world says we want you to wear masks, yeah, we'll wear two. Because if they're saying wear masks for the protection of people, then we're showing them double the amount of that protection. That's why we've been slow and steady. Because everything we do has to honour God, not what I want. We could have easily had a huge fuss and fought, and said, I'm not going to do this now, had a big protest on Buckley Street, but we could have done whatever. But that's not our spirit. We know that if they want to lock us up, they can't, unless God wants it. They want to shut us up, they can't, unless God wants it. So, this is the principles. This is the principles that we're learning. If um, if anyone forces, forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Despite the popular worldly perspectives, a complete trust and letting go, letting go is the true essence of faith and freedom. True essence of faith of freedom. This is the life of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're listening um, online, if you're listening online, you don't need to be here to have heard the voice of God or the the voice of the Holy Spirit. But whatever you've heard, whatever the Lord spoken to you about today, is a day of victory for you, if you believe. If you believe. God hears every heart, every prayer that comes to him in faith. Faith says, despite the obstacles, faith says, despite the hindrances, faith says, despite how black or dark this very thing is in my face, faith says, there's a God who holds me, who carries me, and I trust him. Faith doesn't look at themselves or the inner blackness, looks up to heaven where light is, that's faith. And faith is a refining, uh, a refinement towards a greater, brighter day. God will perfect those things concerning you. I want us to just bow our heads for a, a minute or so. And those of you who are at home, please get rid of all the distractions if you can. And just bow now before the Lord. Bow now before the Lord and believe like blind Bartimaeus. Father in heaven, you are the most amazing, the most amazing person in our life. Sometimes your silence is only a rose and a gift for our building. We thank you, Father, for your words, and we thank you for your, your silence. We thank you, Father, for your strength, and we thank you for our weakness. I pray, Father, that you continue to carry us and lead us as a church, as a fellowship. Grant us the understanding and the wisdom of those words that you spoke and continue to speak. Help us understand the meaning of life that is in you. Cast the devil away and uh, pray that this word brings forth fruit in every heart and head bowed. Those of you who were listening and you haven't given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's very, very clear. It's not complicated if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord, that he died on the cross for your sins, if you confess him as your master, he will come and he'll clean your life up. And all you've got to do is what blind Bartimaeus did, call upon the Lord for mercy. Call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. Father in heaven, I give you thanks and praise. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.